0: So I'm I'm Kyle McAllister. Um, I am a kinesiology machinery at Ohio University. Um, at the top of the the notes, it has my, all my information. Um, I want to make myself available to you guys if you have questions in the future or want these these notes. Um, you can always email me. I have my I put my phone number on there. It's like really really putting myself out there. So. I get enough like telemarketing calls anyway, so it's really not going to do any harm just to broadcast it. And this is—I uh, don't know the exact title. I think they changed a little from what what I had. It was um, "Jesus is the Captain of Our Discipleship," and that tells you just even a little bit about me that with the pun. I'm—I I, enjoy—I enjoy humor, um, and so I wanted. I want today to be all about, um, talking about discipleship. I, I tend to geek out about discipleship. It's my very favoritist part about ministry. And so I have a lot of things I could say, um, a lot of things I probably won't say, um, but I want to be a resource, and I'll I'll even give you guys some resources at the end, um, some names of things. But um, to start, can you guys help, me, help fill me in um, on why you're here, what what you think this is going to be about or what what you're hoping to get out of this by any chance. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for caring about this. They may have like a burning question? I'm not going to like answer your question right now, but just so I know what, what I need to cover. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. A lot of times they don't want to go to a class, they don't want to go through anything. So what do you do? How do you disciple somebody that doesn't really want to take part in what you have to offer? Okay. Great. Yeah? I wanted to call something other than discipleship, because I think when people see that word, what's the that cost me, how much time, how much this, how much that? Something different to make people Hmm. want to come. Okay. Okay. Maybe as we talk, a a new word will dawn on you and... Friending. Oh, okay. Something something like that. Okay. Yeah. Just just off the top of my head, sometimes I call it lunch. That's it. Hey, you want to do lunch? That's it. Yeah. Anything else before we get going, just so I know where you guys are at? Yeah, really. Just doing Kai Alpha. I do discipleship for days. That's that is what most of my week consists of is just purposeful discipleship. Um, more more than anything else. So more than preaching or more than this other thing. So um, I hope that I say some things that like uh, ruffles your feathers or challenges you, and you're like. Uh, I, I think I said something to you. You asked me about my, my system. And I said, there's no system. I, I hope that just messed with you. You're just like, what? What? Hold me back. Okay. Um, so, I believe that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that discipleship can't fix. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I made the little uh, notes fill in the blank thing without thinking about these notes here necessarily. So, I, if I miss, I miss them, you can let me know. Um, so, thinking of a church situation, um, do you are you lacking volunteers? Discipleship can fix that. Um, are people not tithing in your church? Discipleship can fix that. Uh, world hunger, cyberbullying, ending the op- opioid epidemic in Ohio—discipleship can fix those things. True discipleship can. It is all-encompassing. So, um, my my working definition of discipleship, which I hold loosely because it's it's general, is the God-ordained process of assisting someone in their transformation to become like Jesus. I feel like that's as as broad as it can be, um, which I think gives us the most freedom to make it into whatever we need it to be um, to fit that. So, um, discipleship is not optional. You have no choice in the matter. If you desire to follow after Jesus, this is what he's calling you to, and we have to deal with it. And just drop the mic. Jesus Jesus said, make disciples, drop the mic, and he went home. (laughs) And so, whatever whatever feelings you have about it, uh, make your peace, because this is what lies ahead of you is making disciples. Um, Brittany, my wife, um, did the last class in this room on evangelism, and uh, <clears throat> some people think that discipleship is a natural byproduct of evangelism. Um, somebody gets saved, and then they start becoming a disciple of Jesus, somehow. Um, but I would propose to you that it's the other way around, that evangelism is a natural byproduct of of true discipleship. And and for me, that's what I see that Jesus did. First, he called his disciples. Then he trained them. Then he sent them out to, to share the gospel. And people got saved. And so on and so forth. Um, and when I say that uh, discipleship is all-encompassing, I really mean that. Like, um, my guys at Ohio University, I talked about their credit score. I talk to them about dating. I talk, I mean, their character, sexuality, hygiene habits. I've had that conversation more than once. There is, there is nothing. And I, honestly, um, I think God's design for, for discipleship is supposed to be through the family. Fathers are supposed to disciple their kids. Mothers are supposed to disciple their kids. And so, and that's, that's because it involves everything. Parents have to deal with everything. Everything is a discipleship moment. Um, That doesn't mean that only parents can do it, but I think um, they have the best access to do that. Um, Let's see. um, (coughs) Let's see if maybe I just get through my notes and then we can just dialogue about it. Um, So what will discipleship cost? Um, More than anything, it will cost your time. Um, And to... To address what you said, um, if people aren't, aren't interested in putting time into it or whatever, then they might not be ready to be a disciple of Jesus. They might not be ready to follow him. And scripture talks about counting the cost. But for you, for disciple makers, um, it will cost you time. Get ready to part with it. <laughs> um, Jesus did it day and night for three years. And I mean, nobody does better than Jesus, right? So if we want to do it like Jesus, then it's going to be pretty close to day and night all the time. Um, it will cost you heartache and heartbreak. People that you put time into, invest in, and and trust and lead will, will blow you off, will walk away, will make bad decisions and undo work that you've done, and that is what you're signing up for. Um, sometimes I try, try to tell Brittany that, my wife. Um, I was like... The only thing that we signed up for, we didn't sign up for success, we didn't sign up for this, that, or the other thing, a powerful ministry, we didn't sign up for anything. The only thing that we signed up for was heartache and heartbreak. It doesn't always go over so well, because, you know, that's not very encouraging. But in my in my head, in my heart, I know that's, that's true. Um, discipleship will cost you opportunities. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, um, sacrificing the good for the sake of the great. Um, that's really what discipleship is, because it takes so much time. Um, and I mean, if you're, and then if you talk about international students, international students take like ten times more time than somebody of your own culture. Um, and so uh, there are a lot of things that you can't do, or that you have to set aside if you want to do discipleship well. Um, and discipleship is costly, but the return on investment is just unimaginable, and it will be a far greater blessing to you than than really almost anything else that you could do with your time. Um, so how do you do that? Well, the way that Jesus did that was through invitation. I mean, the very first thing was, come, follow me. Um, and you, you guys know that that was like a, a blessing for them, right? That in that culture, um, everybody went through like Jewish school. And if you can d- double check me, uh, it's like everybody would go through basic training And then only the best of the best would go on, right? And memorize the Torah and... Not everybody. Not everybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these guys probably were past that. And for Jesus to say, come follow me, was like a way out of their their menial life of labor. And so he was giving them a a way to raise their status and a way to um, have a noble profession... Um, more than what they were able to attain, and so for them it was a blessing to have somebody willing to train them, willing to invest in them. And um, it's the same for us when we when we invite somebody to be discipled. They might not know that. They might think, you know, what do you want? What do you want from me? Um, but really, we are we are offering them the sweetest gift, and they will be blessed by it. Um, so Jesus said, "Come, follow me." Um, and then, so that's invitation. The second thing is speaking vision. Um, he said, he gave them a vision, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. It's like, I'll make you great. You, you're you good enough to fish for for fish right now, but I'll make you good enough fish for people. And when we when we call disciples, we give them that vision, speaking in, when I look at you, I see that, that, that. And people want to know that you see something in them. They want to know that there's more to them than what they see. And a lot of times, we'll be able to see that before they do. Um Hey man, I see a pastor's heart in you. You care deeply for people, and I have a guy like that that I'm interviewing right now. And he's known in his friend circle as the mom friend. Like he'll call he'll call up dudes and be like, "Have you eaten today? Do you need a sandwich?" And like, <laughs> I look at that and I'm like, "Man, not not that you're going to be a, a church pastor, but that's a pastoral heart that you care for people's needs and you you care how they are." And and so I speak that into him of. God has put this in you, and He's made you really good at it. <clears throat> um, the guy, the guys of, or the um, the other Kauaʻi missionaries, um, we've been joking about this uh, made-up word, uh, loliklam. Um, this is it's a not an analogy, an acronym, mnemonic, one of those things. Um, it's live life on life, so life on life. Life in community, and then life on mission, and that's that. Like, kind of sums it up. That's like a neat way to just package it all together. Um, if you, if you walk away hearing me say one thing, it is that discipleship has to be life on life, which is living life together, living life on purpose. Um, if you are trying. I will I will ruffle your feathers here. If you are trying to do discipleship any other way, leave it behind. Some of you guys are like older than me, and I'm like, I'm just gonna hide here. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think one of the blanks on there. Um, only disciples can make disciples. But any disciple can make disciples. So there's no there's no class that makes disciples. There's no sermon that makes disciples. There's no nothing that makes disciples except other disciples. Um, but when I work with students, a lot of times what I hear is, I need to know more before I can teach somebody, or I still have too much stuff that I'm working through in my own life that I'm not ready. That's baloney. I'm just sing the baloney song right now. <laughs> Spell it out for you. That is nonsense. Um, it's not perfect, but sometimes I think of discipleship as um, just an analogy is rock climbing. And so, as if you're if you're an expert climber or, or you've climbed this particular rock face before, um, maybe you're actually on the on the thing and you're just helping somebody below you. There's a there's a handhold about <coughs> a eyeball high to your left, and and you're just helping them find the best route. Um, maybe avoid a pitfall that you've taken, and then you're connected by a rope, so there's, there's some help and things. It's not perfect, but that's how, that's how I think of it. It's just, um, I've been there, or I had a friend who's been there, and I think I could help a little bit. So, any disciple can make disciples. Um, but the cool thing about life on life, um, is that, and this, I'm gonna geek out, um, living life on life, Doing discipleship um, together requires us to become the things that we teach, um, which is why a class can't make a disciple, is why a sermon can't make a disciple, um, and it's it's. I feel like when God is in something, two problems can solve each other. Um, when we disciple um, by smacking our life on top of somebody else's life it forces us to be discipled ourselves. Um, it forces us to go to, to Jesus and beg Him for Him to make us into the things that we, that we need. Right now, I, ha- I feel a, a great um, need in my life for discipleship in the area of um, spiritual warfare and things like that because of what we're running into on the campus. And I just went to one uh, breakup for this about um, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Um, we're, we're seeing students who need deliverative, demonic influence and oppression and crazy things And I don't know how to do that. But what I see Jesus doing in Scripture is casting out devils and healing the sick and things like that. And we have students who are dealing with depression and anxiety and suicide attempts and things like that. And it's like, I need equipped to be able to do that for them. How can I ever expect my students to see the spiritual things and to address them if I don't do that? Um, They have to see it from me before they'll ever try it. And so um, it's like forcing me to pursue my own discipleship um, and that just sounds like God when things draws closer to Him. So, um, another hard hard pill to swallow. I think many people in churches are believers, but not necessarily disciples. Um, if that's true, what are they missing? I'll, I'll go ahead and make it not rhetorical. What, what do you guys think? What do you think they're missing? If they're believers but not disciples? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Now believers might do some of those things, um, but intentionality, um, having somebody to lead them. Yeah, I agree with um, those things. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Agreed. So they lack purpose in their life, so they don't know they don't have a goal to try to accomplish. Yeah, I agree with that. That's the the vision. You guys speak vision, make you fishers of men. Um, Brittany always says uh, people are created on purpose with a purpose. I think it's true. Um, I have a guy that I'm that I'm discipling right now. Um, He was raised in a Christian home, a good one. His dad does like prison ministry, and they're active in their church, and they, um, I mean, I, they have fruit, in in keeping with righteousness and repentance, and like good family. Sometimes in my um, core group dis- discussions, um, this this guy drew um, he can't relate to the other guys when they talk about um, how they're you know struggling with this or, that or the other thing because he was raised in a home that was so righteous, and he himself is righteous. Um, but in our discipleship, it wasn't going anywhere. It was like, I would try and talk to him about a thing and he's like, well, you know, I guess, I guess I could work on that. It's like, okay, well, uh, let's look at this. And, you know, try, I took him through, you know, we have different inventories. It's like, let's assess where you are. And it was like most everything on a scale of one to five was like, you know, four, four, five, four, four, five, four. It's like, where, what, what can I teach you? Until we got to a point where I didn't I didn't see I didn't see these hallmarks of what a disciple looks and feels like and what I recognized was missing was Jesus in a way um, when you are uh, a, tr- a true disciple of Jesus you get put in all kinds of awkward situations he always did that with his disciples and like i've he's taken me all the way across the world and back and You know, we had somebody move into our house right as our baby was being born, our third baby was being born. And it's like, who does that? You just walk right into a brick wall and it's like, but he does that and he'll, he'll have us do those things that just really put us out. And Drew didn't have anything like that. Very comfortable. He knew what he was going to be doing the next five years of his life and how he was going to pay for all of that. And everything, everything was put together. No, no messiness. That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. (laughs) and then you know pursuing that pushing on that um, he could talk the talk but I realized he couldn't walk the walk he had never heard God's voice he knew scripture but he never heard God speak to him and I just thought how how did you survive in church how did you survive your upbringing with you know great parents I haven't met them but everything that I hear great and I think he just never had to and so, guess what we started doing? <laughs> got out my phone, put a timer on there, five minutes. Let's go. And we've got scripture out. It was like pretty much what we just did in in our la- in the last uh, breakout I went to. And it's like let's practice. And and so, guess what we're, we're doing? Discipleship. That's what we're working on. And I, you know, told him, you know, maybe work your way up to five minutes every day listening for God's voice. And we, I let him do that for two weeks. And came back, and it's like, how's it going? And I, and I had him, like, text me every day that, that he'd done it and what he was kind of learning or, you know, t- tell me progress. And pretty much every day it was just like, I listen, haven't heard anything yet, that kind of thing. After two weeks, I asked him, okay, what, what have you heard? And it's like, nothing really. And so now I have him on an action plan. And it's, uh, you need to get yourself to a point of hearing God twice a week for... Th- uh, within the next three weeks. If not, then there's no point in us meeting anymore. Because if you're not if you're not going to pursue this, then anything else that I have to teach you will will become moot. Um, you have to you have to learn this. You have to tackle this. Um, and I didn't like just send him off to do it by himself. I said I am here at all times. If you feel like this isn't working, you come to me. If you feel like you need help, you need somebody to do it with me come to me we've talked about how to hear God's voice. we've talked about it's like if, you, if we're like the day before and you stop not hear anything, like you go find people you grab them by the lapels and you say pray for me and get a word from me <laughs> And we talked about different ways to hear God's voice so like God speaks to people. So if you're not hearing through the word, try another way try you know ask people to pray for you ask if you know see if God you go seek him and find him where he is and and right now that's what he needs and there's there's nothing else that he needs at the moment. I mean, I think God always has, like, a list, a real long list of things that he wants to do and change in us and get out and stuff like that. But there's no point in working on number 43 if we haven't addressed number one. And so, um, I fail a lot, by the way. I, f- I fail hard. <laughs> I've had, I've had, in college, I had a moment where um, the guy I was discipling, uh, I think he was the first guy I ever discipled, A um, discipled him for a year, and then I said, well, I feel like I've taught you everything that I know, so, you know, we, we can still stick with this, or you can, you know, try and find somebody else. He's like, I think I'll find somebody else. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but I've also had, like, really crazy stuff where, like, a guy that I was discipling, he came to me, he's like, I just proposed to so-and-so last night. And I was like, what? And I was like... Tell me, like he, That seems like something you should have, you know, give me a heads up on before that happens. He's like, well, oh, I didn't plan it. It was just, we were walking in the woods and everything was so perfect. And so I just got down. I was like, did you have a ring? He's like, no. And I was like, whoa, whoa, stop. And it was amazing. The favor that God had given me, I was able to talk to him and convince him to go back and undo what he did. And I said, at the very least, even if this is God's desire, she deserves a ring. She deserves for you to do this the right way. And I'm going to teach you the right way to do this. And and I wasn't married at the time, but that's that's what he needed, and so that's what I'm to become. And so that was like a victory for me. It's like I helped this guy. Not and they ended up getting married, but like not for years later. They were like, "Whoa, we need to step back," and they like they took it. It was really cool. Um, let's see. Um, be covered in the dust of your rabbi. There was a um. What's his name? Rob Bell. Rob Bell, but before he kind of went off the deep end a little bit, um, he did the Numa videos, and there was one about be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And um, my understanding is that's just a, a common phrase from the taking from the Talmud. Yes, which is the rabbinic teachings to accompany the Torah. So. Um, the idea was that you would walk so closely behind your rabbi that you would be covered in their sandal comeuppance. Um and you would you'd smell yeah eat, eat my dust um, that you would feel that you'd be that close. Or um, thinking about scriptures that say that um, they knew they had been with Jesus, the disciples um, that you you know travel so closely that you'd begin to. Um, Take on their mannerisms, smell like them. When people hold hold my kids, we can always like we get them back, and we're like, okay, so this is like lady perfume, or you know, you smell, you smell like the people that were holding you. And so we want to be so close to Jesus that we smell and look like Jesus. okay um, off my notes. Um, Galatia two twenty is the best best scripture of all of them. Um, <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and this life I now live in the flesh in the body I live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me when i when i hear that one i recognize the problem that so many unhappy christians have they haven't died all the way they're still in the throes of death and they're they're fighting with jesus over who gets to live in their body and i think of video games so somebody's playing halo and they're you know doing all their little custom moves and like you know the one guy starts playing, he always goes right for the the tank and dr- tries to just drive over everybody and stuff. but then he gets he gets picked off and then you do the whole respawn thing. but he's he's lost his turn. you know there's like so many people there's not enough controllers. So it's like he lost, okay, Jesus, your turn. And so in the game nothing changes. It's the same you know master chief guy. nobody nobody else playing online can tell that it's anybody different except that now he does all these different moves. He does Jesus' moves where, you know, like banks the grenade off the wall and, you know, goes up to the sniper spot and all this stuff. And it's Jesus' moves. And when I read Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live in the body, I live by faith in Jesus. And so, <clears throat> as we as we become like our rabbi, we start doing his moves. Which is why I was saying in the beginning that what I see Jesus is casting out devils and and healing the sick and caring about the poor and so the more and more I begin to look like Jesus that's what I will do when I make disciples they should start looking like me in a sense I ultimately want them to look like Jesus but um, you know the longer I'm married the more mannerisms from Brittany that I pick up and I'll do and you know, like touch people while I talk, talk to them or something that's totally Brittany um, she picks up less from me um, usually it's like a pun or something or dad joke um, when she gets it Um but but what that is is modeling um the things that you know how to do you know how because you saw it um there are very few things that we do that we didn't first see or have the idea put in us or something by somebody else um things that we uh my college roommate um he did not know but um, he got a phone call that his parents were coming to visit it was like surprise we're gonna be there in like half an hour and so, we all, like, hop up off the couch, and we like, we gotta clean! <laughs> and so, like, we start running, you do this, you do this, and, so, like, I'll go put all the expired food out of the fridge and take it to the dumpster, and all this stuff. And we're busy, you know, cleaning up and straightening and stuff like that, and we hear the door open and close, we thought, oh, maybe he's taking out the garbage, then we hear him open and close again, hear him rustle around, open and close, and it was like, what? So, like, go in the living room to check, he comes in, could starts like scrambling gets a laundry basket starts like raking stuff in it picks it up and then takes it out the out the door and me and my other roommate we, we've both stopped cleaning and we're just like waiting for him to come in I'm like what are you doing and some of it's our stuff and he comes back in we're like what is going on and he stops and he's like oh my goodness. He's like, I've been putting everything in boxes and baskets and stuff like that and I've been hiding it in the trunk of my car. <laughs> and he realized in the moment that's what his mom had done growing up. People are coming over, hide it. And they would hide where they're not going to like accidentally find it in the coat closet or something. Hide it in the trunk of the car. And so, it wasn't even on purpose but he had seen it and that's what he had learned. We learn our, how we approach marriage from our parents and we learn how we approach foreigners from the people we see interact with foreigners or from you know what we see on TV or things like that. We, we get it from somewhere. And so um, we have to become what we teach. Um, when we don't, what it creates is people who teach but don't do. And you have people who are believers but not disciples. I would say... Believers who aren't disciples can make believers who aren't disciples, and so, um, and so, what do you do? You teach them um, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus just teaches them like so many, like a whole laundry list of things: fasting and prayer and this, that, and the other thing. What the kingdom is like, the beatitudes, all these kinds of things. He just taught them, just full of full of information. Um, but that wasn't it. That wasn't like. Okay, now you know my teaching, you can go. It was their training wasn't complete until they were like him, until he could do they could do what he could do. And so he even sends him out to to preach and stuff like that, and they come back and they're like, We couldn't cast out demons. Or not not all of them, or they you know, there's this one that we couldn't and it's like, so now what do we do? Wait awaiting instructions. Okay, there's this thing, prayer and fasting, and this is the connection, let me show you. And then he casts it out. And it's gone. Um, and I bet next time, when they couldn't cast out a demon, you know what they did? They prayed and fasted. Why? That's what Jesus did. Um, So something that I I picked up, it's like nugget time, if you're going to write down a nugget. Um, When I first started making disciples, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just did what someone had done with me. Um, Unfortunately, what that looked like was crisis counseling. Hey man, what's, go- what's going on this week? Well, I'm, you know, afraid I'm going to fail this class and, uh, okay, okay. Well, let's, you know, what can we do about that? How can I help you, you know, schedule study time, stuff like that? Let's pray together. I want to encourage you, that kind of thing. The problem, the same guy who, uh, jumped the gun on proposing to his girlfriend, um, he was super, super mellow, super stable. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on that he needed help with. And so at that point it was like, so what do you want to talk about this week? I don't, I don't know. Oh snap! Like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I got nothing. And I realized, or I learned that there's there's a continuum, and I went in its crisis, and on the other end is curriculum. And I was like, all the way over here at crisis, um, discipleship needs both. Um, when when somebody's like having a breakdown or having like a real significant problem, they need that to be addressed. But when that's not happening, or um, in my case, I just always wanted to talk about this girl, and eventually I was told, okay, this week is going to be the last week we're going to talk about this. We need to move on. This is, you know, you're not going any further in discipleship having the same conversation week after week. So even though it's what's going on in your life, I'm going to now begin to put new things in you. And so that's why um, curriculum is important. That's why um, I want you guys to have resources, and sometimes it's good to go through a book, sometimes it's good to have a resource, this, that, or the other thing. Um, That's where church sermons come in. It's like, well, let's interact with this material, something maybe you're not familiar with, maybe something you're not comfortable with, anything you're not an expert in yet, let's put that in you, and it's just equipping them with all these tools. You want a whole workshop full of tools, and you just use what is best for the job. Um, Brittany and I, we moved every year for the first six years of our marriage, And so, while I had lots of tools that I inherited, um, they were all packed away and stuff. And so, I would try and do projects. And, like, I've got a hammer and a flathead screwdriver, and I'm trying to, like, chisel with that. And it's just, it's so inconvenient. It is such a blessing. Now, living in my house for less than four years, but years now, it's so nice when I can just go downstairs and get the tool that I want without having to, like, unpack things. And so, adding more and more tools to what you can do and different ways you can disciple when you come in um to a, a discipleship relationship with somebody who's just tough. They're just that stick in the mud. Just like nothing. They give you nothing. Or um a disciple, somebody they didn't they didn't know any they had like zero emotional intelligence. They didn't know what they were feeling or how to process it or whatever. And so I'd ask a question and they would just sit there. And then I'd come to find out, well they're processing. Okay. So you take five minutes to process. Okay, what am I gonna do here? And it's like, well I'm gonna use a different tool then. I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing this a different way. So as many as you can accumulate is good. Um, I'm wondering. What time is? it? Look there. Great. Um, I'm wondering what what have you guys done? What form have you seen discipleship take before? Class. Class. I heard. I thought. Too what's that? Class well Okay, but you see, you've seen people do that or maybe. try try it anyway. Right. What else? Just classes? Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Anybody, anybody have their parents do it? A little bit? A little bit? Yeah. I wish I, I wish everybody's hand was up for that. Family devotions was um, still. We lived on farms and we didn't get some city plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do family devotions with with your family now or have you well when they when they were growing up did you hmm. Interesting It's almost like you're doing what you were shown <laughs> Anything else any anything different yeah into their life as you are doing things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh one thing that really impacted my life, uh that my parents did actually um were my parents discipled me really well, but they did a rite of passage with me for when I turned fifteen. we go to meet with the dentist once a month for, for a happy year and do that I mean I'm still friends with them wow the day, and, and that really impacted <clears throat> my love is like as yeah that's really cool that's a good idea i have never heard of that cool um yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. sometimes we just call it lunch so so all the stuff that we're talking about We can just set that on the shelf for a second. Um, Who who do you do this with? Who do who do you like all these things that you want to do? Want to pass? Who do you do that with? Is it a trick question? Anybody? Okay, you guys agree with that? Everybody agrees. Who? hmm mm-hmm. Okay so maybe a little more selective. I, I I don't think I've ever had somebody come to me and ask I can't think of I don't know if I've ever done that. go to somebody and ask. Definitely yeah, definitely this is not too common. I, I saw your eyebrows go down. Okay. So I, I, I recognize that you may So you're saying it's the group dynamic that becomes the problem? Okay. I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. I I think that not everybody is men and teaching them how to deal with their families, how to be men, how to be a priest of their home. Why, well, Mine's not a mission to alcoholics necessarily, but I think there are specific people for specific problems. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I'm going to figure out where I can add that in my notes to talk about that. Um let me let me address this real quick. So, <clears throat> um, just maybe by show of hands, um, raise your hand if you think you can disciple an unbeliever. Okay, maybe maybe half, maybe a little more than half. Okay, um, I think I think it depends. Um, I think I think yeah. If we go by the definition, the God ordained process of assisting someone in their transformation to become like Jesus, um, I think you could. And I have um, had a guy, Austin that he came to our uh, Valentine's Day relationship talk. That was the first time he ever met us. Um, he had just broken up with his girlfriend, and uh, they were living together, and they broke up. But they're still living together, because they have an apartment together and stuff. Super awkward. He's kind of miserable. He comes on Valentine's Day, because a guy invited him. And he heard us talk all about relationships, and sex, and all kinds of stuff. And... He stayed the whole time. He lingered afterwards. He told everybody like what was going on because there was like question answer discussion things like that. Um, And he was uh, another another nugget um, leaning into relationship. Somebody that they take you up on an invitation. um, They offer their opinion on something. They're they're giving you something. And Austin was definitely doing that. He, he lingered, so he didn't just book it out as soon as we were done. Um, he was really friendly. He wanted to know who we were. Um, and then I asked about getting his number. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so then I call him and see if you don't know, want to go get coffee. Or, it was probably ice cream. That's that's kind of my thing. Um, want to go get ice cream? And he's like, yes, awesome. He's already said yes once. There's a good chance it's going to keep saying yes if he's leaning in relationships. So we, we met and he had a lot of questions about God. He recognized that what we were saying about relationships was true and that if he had followed that, he would have avoided his current debacle. And that led him to, to think that what we were saying about God might also be true. And so, um, but he had a lot of questions and he just had kind of never heard. And so we began to meet on a regular basis and I addressed his questions and things like that. That was totally discipleship. I was I was getting him one step closer to Jesus the whole time. Um, there was a point in his discipleship where the next step was: Are you ready to bend your knee to the King? I didn't say it that way. This is cooler that way. <laughs> <laughs> I said I. I think what I did say was: <clears throat> I think you know enough now um, to know whether or not you want to actually follow Jesus. Um, you believe who, that he is who he said he was, and um, you know that. You know, kind of what what we what we teach, and you've seen, seen me and my family. Um, are you ready to, to jump on board with that? And his response was, I think I just need to wrap my head around that a little bit. I said, great, can I ask you later today? And so later that day was our guy's core group. And so we showed up, and we discussed a little bit. And I said, hey, Austin, I asked you a question earlier today. I uh, want to ask you the same question again. Are you ready to follow Jesus? And he said, yeah, I think I am. And so all the guys, we got around him, we just prayed for him, and we, we walked him into the kingdom that day. And it was really cool because later that night, another student had, um, planned a prayer meeting, and another guy, Reuben, had come, and we'd been praying for him for two years. And we've been, he, he wasn't interested in Jesus at all. I sat down with him at Dairy Queen. <laughs> and, and I talked to him about all his objections to Christianity, and he was raised in the church, but saw a form of Christianity that an- inoculated him to the gospel. He'd heard it. So when I told him, it had no effect. And two years, we prayed for him. And he came to support um, Mariah, the girl who planned it. And um, he, like, suffered, suffered from anxiety and, like, fear of people and stuff. And he got up to, like, leave because he was just so overwhelmed. And Brittany had, like, a word from the Lord. And she chased him out into the hall and pulled him aside. And they loved each other already because he had been in our house. He had played with our kids. He, had, he knew us. It wasn't about whether he felt comfortable or not. It was just about Jesus. And so she whisked him off to a side room and was like, "I feel like God wants me to share my notes for my next talk with you." And she shared it and um, started talking to him about like, "What's left? What's what's still standing between you and Jesus?" And he, you know, threw. He had like a list. He had a list. People know what they don't like, and she began to address them one at a time. You know, this is how God feels about homosexuality. This is how he feels about um, people in that lifestyle, and it wasn't—it didn't conflict with how Reuben felt about those people. It's not what he thought he was going to hear, but it addressed the need that he had in his heart to know that that God loves people, and he didn't have to hate people to be a Christian. And then it was, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and he was kind of counting the costs of like, if I'm going to do this, I can't sign up for something I don't agree with. And Brittany began to just knock those down, and. Three times she had to ask him throughout that process, but finally she said, "Are you? Are you? What's stopping you? Are you ready to follow Jesus?" And at the end, he said, "Yes, I am." And so she prayed with him, and they walked across the hall back into that room. And she didn't know it, but people were like huddled in the corner praying for Reuben, and they said, "Amen." And they walked through the door and said, "Hey guys, we have an announcement. Jesus or uh, Reuben just decided to follow Jesus," and it was so cool because Reuben wasn't core group that day. And he and Austin came to faith on the same day, and they—they're they're both percussion majors. They would meet in a room, this this exact room, on, you know, with the vibraphone and the marimba, and so that's what they do. That's their major. That's their career. Um, was their career. Um. And so they were already friends. They already saw each other every day in class. Now they live together, and since then they have been walking closer and closer to jesus together and they help each other they read the bible together they get each other up in the morning when we do morning prayer and so like it's just really cool to see them do that together it's life on life life in community and life on mission when i say a mission uh, austin was baptized in the holy spirit at kyle's winter retreat this year and just after that felt like god gave him this vision of him playing latin hand drums that's like his specialty next to somebody in a Latin American country and they're bonding over that and he's sharing them the gospel. And so this week he's completing the application to give a year of his life in Latin America. And I talked to him this week and he just feels his his passion for um, teaching music is beginning to melt a little bit. He still loves music, still loves ch- kids and stuff like that, but Jesus is just rising in his heart. And we haven't made any decisions and anything, but I'm going to help him steward what he feels and explore that. And if if I had to guess, I think this is something that Jesus might do because what Jesus has done in you, he wants to do through you. And Jesus got a hold of me in college. And he trained me and made me a missionary. And now I'm discipling Austin. It's not crazy to think that God is going to... Copy me onto him, and copy that part of himself onto Austin. Austin raised up and become a missionary. Guess what? Reuben, I just talked to him on Thursday, and he wants to do Chi Alpha now. He doesn't. He, he's still waiting to hear God speak about it because he doesn't want to like overstep and stuff. But I think that's what he wants to do. Whoa! So pastors disciple and make pastors, evangelists disciple and make other evangelists. People with these giftings like God matches them up in their gift set and so like um, Steve Brandon was in here the very first session he was my campus pastor and now now I work with him in, in ministry and stuff um, he was the first um, godly example of a father that I saw in his home with his kids a lot of the things we do with our kids was like I had no idea until I saw Steve do it so I'll do that so I find till I find something else um, but it was because of that relationship but I was just telling you at the beginning. I ha- I see a need for being discipled in in learning how to cast out demons and have limbs grow back and things because like we need that on the campus. And so maybe I'll go find somebody who that's their specialty and I'll learn from them. Um, gosh, um, let's see. Think discipleship from the very first handshake. Maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't happen. But you should be thinking it from the very first handshake. How can I get this person one step closer to Jesus? Um, if they end up leaning into relationship, you're already, you're already on, you're not like on your heels. You're already on your toes, like ready to go. Um, Jesus had an inner circle. Um, there were people they spent more time with than others. It's okay to do that. Um, if you have a whole church full of people, what if you just started with one and you spent all your time with one person? That's like, ooh, like, alarm, alarm. Unless that person becomes like you and they begin to make disciples and you spend all your time with them and all of a sudden you have five people making disciples instead of just you. Again, that's the cost where you, you could be doing lots of things for everybody, but if you just really make these people solid, then they can be a blessing to you and return your investment. Um, so who is your inner circle? Um, we look for the fattest students we can find. That's an acronym. That's another acronym. So, um, fat students are faithful, available, and teachable. And that's the kind of disciple that I want. That's the disciple who will take what I have to say and they'll learn from me. And they will submit to Jesus when he tells them something they don't want to hear, or don't want to do, whatever. Um, if I had to tell you the, the most important of all of those, it would be teachable. Because you can teach somebody to be faithful you can teach them to be available. And a lot of times we have to do that. We'll talk about, we'll give them, I'll hand them like a little scheduling worksheet and I'll say, put all your classes on there. Okay. Now let's put this and the other things and like important stuff first. And we do budgets where, you know, okay, tithe goes at the top and then here and rent and just teach them how to free up their time, free up their resources. They can learn that if they're teachable. If they won't learn from you, then there's nothing you could do. Um, And, I'm going to give you guys this super empowering phrase. Disciple the faithful, shepherd the rest. There aren't people who are ready to learn. That's okay. It might not be them forever. But if they're not ready to learn right now, then that's not where you want to put your time. You'll just get frustrated and tired, and you'll have people that's um, casting pearls before swine. You don't give your best to people who don't want it. So, um... When I approach somebody, and again, like, um, discipling an unbeliever is, is different. Um, there, there are some relationships that are different. But if I'm sitting down to begin a relationship of discipleship, um, when it happened for me, um, the guy just invited me out to lunch. And we just sat, we talked. I don't even remember what we talked about. We talked about life. Um, he wanted to get to know me and told me about himself, stuff like that. And then he invited me another time again and just kind of did the same thing. And after a couple of times... Um, he said, "You know, this is really fun. We should do this every week." He said, "I I see I see a lot in you, and I would love to invest in, in the person you're becoming." I mean, like, would you guys like turn that down? I see potential in you, and I want to invest in you. Okay. <laughs> and people are hungry for somebody to do that. <clears throat> my 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 dad didn't do that. My my friends in high school didn't do that. Why would they? They haven't been shown that. So for somebody to do that, it's like, yes, please. <laughs> and then, you know, I've had several different um, disciples, even through, through college. Um, but when I start that, that relationship of, we're going to be on the same page understanding of what this is becoming and what what, what I want to do here. I want to help you become like Jesus. And I want to get together on a regular basis um, and have this re- type of relationship with you. Um, and so I ask them, um, do you guys know Kung Fu Panda? Some of you guys. There's this point in the movie where he says, uh, Master Shifu says, "Do you want to learn kung fu?" And he says, "Yes." And he says, "Then I am your master." And when I start this discipleship relationship, it's um, we need to talk about expectations. And if you want to learn from me, if you decide that that's what you want, you want to learn what I have to teach you, you want to learn to follow Jesus like you see me following Jesus, then here's what I need from you: I need you to say yes to me. Even when you don't get it, even when you disagree, you need to say yes, and I will, and I will help you to become like Jesus. And if they can say yes to that, that is, that is all I need. Because again, teachable, you can teach them to be anything else. Um, if they say no, then this empowering phrase: you disciple the faithful, and you shepherd the rest. So I'm still available for other students who aren't quite that interested in following Jesus, you know, hard like I, like I would want them to. Um, still counsel them, I'll still pray for them, still bless them, still have them over to our house and feed them dinner and stuff like that. Um, but I won't give them the the line share of my time. Um, I'll reserve that for the, the ones where God is moving um, most powerfully. Um, and then as far as expectations, um, I say you have access to me full time. There's, there's not a time where I'm not available to you. Um, and so I have Ruben, the guy who uh, we've been praying for for two years or whatever. I, I, sh- I meet with him now. And he'll call me late at night sometimes because he's freaking out and he just deals with anxiety and stuff like that. He'll come over. He's like, can I come over? I need to, I need to talk. And he just talk, 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 talk. And I'll just tell him, this is what scripture says. You need to believe it. And you like, okay, okay, I'm good. I will go home now. <laughs> and so, and I tell them like, there, there is, there is no part of my life that is closed off to you. And so they, they're with my kids, and I'll have them babysit my kids. I'll have them do everything. Um, if they weren't uh, on spring break, or the, if they're out of town. But if they weren't out of town, I probably would have brought them here. And I probably would have sat them there. And I would have said, watch how I do this. See, and then you tell me afterward, like, okay, was that, a, was that bad? <laughs> um, but I, I don't hide my insecurity from them. I tell them when... When, I, when I'm feeling it and stuff, because otherwise I will give them the expectation that they should never have faults or that something's wrong with them when they begin to do what I'm doing and they don't feel perfect about it. And so I share, share with them what's really going on and and they learn how to deal with it. And that forces me to believe the scripture that I, that I should be believing and forces me to receive from other people when I need my own encouragement and stuff like that. And then they become a well-rounded follower of Jesus um, is there ever a time you think that it would be important to stop, stop a ship? Yeah. Is that what you guys think? Like you said earlier, you're not willing to work in. Mm-hmm. You're not willing to Mm-hmm. Right. If, uh, if at any point they become unwilling to learn, um... Again, there's there's no point in continuing and so I um I'll use like an action plan of this is the this is the progress I need to see you make. Um this is this is the change that, that I would expect from from somebody where you are. Um and it's not necessarily like put results on them, is you need to be able to da 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 but I need to see you pursuing this wholeheartedly to where I'm convinced um in this amount of time. Otherwise it's not gonna be fruitful for us to continue meeting. Um to do that, to continue meeting when those conditions aren't met. Would be enabling them, helping them to stay as a mediocre um, believer, and that just a believer and not a disciple. Um, And scripture talk, and I'm wrestling with this. I'm still not um, solid on it. But scripture talks about anybody who calls themselves a believer and does these things, you should put out of your fellowship. I haven't, I haven't made my peace with that yet. Um, Still working on it. But it's like anybody who says they're a disciple and yet won't X Y Z. Learn from you, and I think that was meant to draw people away from their sin and back into communities. Like I can't, I can't worship God at the temple until, until I stop this. Until I choose God over my sin, I better do that. <laughs> um, I can't do business because I'm considered whatever. I better, I better stop. And so maybe if they don't have access to the blessing that is discipleship, unless they choose the righteous path, then maybe they would. I don't know. Um, let's see. Um, we see that in Matthew 8. Um, Jesus calls some disciples and they say, you know, but first let me bury my father, or but first let me do this out of the other thing. And it's like, dude, you're not ready. And he just went away. Um, I like uh, what you said about um, getting other people involved. Um, discipleship should be inclusive and outward. Um, if I only ever just met with my guys in a coffee shop and just talked personal stuff, um, that's what they would learn how to do. Um, but we live our life out loud. And so it means helping people fix their cars. It means, um, meeting new people, befriending international students. It means all kinds of things and whatever you want them to be, that's what you do. And can you imagine what, what your church would look like if everybody looked like you? be good and bad right <laughs> all the things you don't do they wouldn't do oh snap but the things you do do they would do and that would be helpful um, let's see uh, commissioning and releasing that um, that idea of initiation um, is important I remember vividly uh, it was probably 2008. Um the guy who was discipling me, he he took me out, we were walking on campus and he said, Hey Kyle, I'm really proud of where you've come to and the choices that you're making and um I want you to know like it's your turn now to do what I'm doing and you and I are gonna be equal now and we're gonna do this together. And then from then on, like on the Sabbath we'd go to Sonic and get root Route forty four slushes and we'd sit in folding chairs on our on the front lawn of our of the Kyle house and we'd read books on the Sabbath. And it wasn't so much like me learning from him. It was like, let's do this together. And then I began discipling people and stuff. And that was an important process of commissioning. And that's what Jesus did. I send you out. And he gave them power to do what they needed to do. They, it's an empowering thing. Um, so specifics, um, We do that. I do that through one-on-ones. So I'll meet one-on-one with a student for about an hour a week, every week. Um that's one tool. Another tool that I have used is doing two-on-ones. So I take two students who are kind of, either would be good for each other, because one is uh, hyper and crazy and has no biblical basis, and another one who's been in the church forever and has no zeal at all, and I put them together and just watch it like <laughs> blow up, and they help each other. Um, other times it's two guys who are going in the same direction at the same speed, and I'm ex- essentially having the same one-on-one twice in a row. We'll just put them together, and they can walk through the same thing. I'll put them on the same reading plan. I'll put them on the same tasks, things like that. Um, and you can do discipleship groups, where that's like a small group and stuff. So when we meet on Tuesday nights, um, they hear they hear the word. And it was actually Ruben who came up with this idea. Um, he said, that's like the dinner table. That's where you're fed. That's where you learn new ideas. You're exposed to scriptures that you haven't read yet, things like that. Core group is like where you begin to digest, and you're just... Internalizing, applying it to yourself, stuff like that, and then one-on-one or that purposeful discipleship time is where things get messy. Um, that's where you work through your own excuses and hang-ups and work on, you know, your problem areas, stuff like that. Um, let's see. Did I put um, xabobcats.com on the top of that? No yeah. cheat. Okay. Um, that's our that's our website. Um, there is a resource tab. That has a couple of these things that I'm telling you about. Um, the Kai Alpha basic assessment um, is whenever I start meeting with somebody for the first time, I'll I'll take them through that, and it's just rate how much how much do you know about God the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit? Do you, and then sooner, you know it's like two thirds of it is about belief, and then a third of it is practice. Do you give regularly to you know home and world missions? Do you? tithe? Do you take a Sabbath? Do you attend a local church regularly? Things like that. And by doing that, I'll be able to pick out you know, where where are the problem areas? Where do we need to put first things first? Um, there's a time management worksheet and I'll, if they're having trouble ta- you know, double booking themselves or forgetting or being late or whatever, I'll have them do that and I'll work with them on that. Um, we have an emotional maturity questionnaire. I don't think that's on the website. But those are things that, if I sense that there's something wonky about that. Um, I didn't Brittany had it. I don't think she left it. Um, Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman is amazing. Um, I didn't want to read it in college because I thought it was about evangelism and my understanding of evangelism was like, I don't want to do that. But I read it. It's about discipleship and taking over the whole world is through discipleship and you multiply yourself and then it's like a virus that takes over everything. Good. Robert Coleman. Um, let's see. Yeah. If you guys have one burning question in you, so it's only time for one question, <laughs> uh, which is why I gave you my email and phone number and all that stuff. What's your question? Yeah. We're one week in. We're one week in. Yeah. So, uh, I told him I what I don't want to happen is I don't hear from you for three weeks other than when we come to meet and then you just it's like the equivalent of striking out at the plate by just watching the ball go by. That's like I don't want that. I was like, don't let that happen. Ask me for help and stuff, but I made it really clear if I don't see you jumping after this pursuing making progress, we'll just have to be done and I'll I'll be available to you in other ways. But yeah. Yeah. That was a quick one. We got like one more minute here. Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Alright, well, um, you can email me if you if you are interested in additional uh, resources and stuff. If you guys have questions, feel free to ask. Thank you very much.